Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I want to speak to Alex Kane now and Professor John Tong. Alex, good morning. Good morning, Frank. How's you? It's reshuffling day, reshuffling day. And so many people here surprised that Julian Smith may be sidelined. Now, he seemed to be the man in the big picture here, but things change very quickly. You know, Julian Smith, Simon Coveney, they seem like people who will be disappearing through our fingers. Well, that, well I suppose that's one. The first, first thing to say is there, I don't think there's any great love between Julian Smith and Boris Johnson. Never was. I mean, um, Julian was the, the Theresa May's chief whip, a fiercely loyal chief whip who, and Boris probably still thinks, tried to undermine him at various times over the past two or three years. As also I've been told, um, there's also been a bit of bad blood between Cummings and Smith. Now, Cummings obviously I think is bad blood between everyone uh, and him, but so those two things may be working in tandem. But what does surprise me is that at a moment when the, the Irish government fallen, new government coming in. Just, just for people come. who don't follow politics very closely, Cummings is the chief advisor to the Prime Minister. He's the scruffy looking boy that you see around Downing Street. He is, yes. He looks, yes. He's the other person you'd expect the police to come along and say, move, move along, sir. What are you doing here? And so on. He is a ferociously intelligent man, ferociously ambitious man. And he's more than just a chief advisor, Frank. I think, I think John is on there as well, would say. Um, he, he's someone. He's someone who who clearly has his own ambition. He led the basically led the the unofficial leave campaign, takes responsibility for the the victory for for Brexit and so on. And he's a man who Boris Johnson listens to. He's almost like a sort of Machiavellian Rasputin type figure. He's just there if he if he gives the nod for or against something. That clearly, in many cases, seems to be enough for Boris Johnson to run with it. But anyway, there's bad blood there. But also, the other point I was making, it does seem that when the Irish government has fallen, when Coveney may be going, when you know, when we don't know what's happening with Sinn Féin, who could be in the next Irish government, there could be a unity spokes, and so many things going on there. It does seem very odd to say we'll take out the one man um, who has a bit of experience and the one man, you know, after the, the, the run of Villiers um, and... Bradley and um, Brokenshire, the one man who seems to have had the, the strength to knock a few heads together and tell him, look, guys, this is what we're doing. It would seem very odd to move him at this point. Uh, stay with me there, Alex. John Tong is with us as well. John, do you think he will be moved? Are, are you expecting him to be moved? 
Yeah, morning, Frank. Morning, Alex. Um, I'm really surprised that this move is being mooted. It does seem extraordinary to only give Julian Smith six months in the job when he's actually achieved more than certainly his predecessor, Karen Bradley, achieved in her 18 months in the job. And her predecessor, uh, James Brokenshire, uh, managed to achieve. Admittedly, James Brokenshire had to stand down for health reasons. Um, But yeah, as Alex has indicated, uh, Julian Smith is not on the same page as Boris Johnson. I've heard Julian Smith give speeches which have been very, very ambiguous and very, very carefully coded about Boris Johnson. Um, uh, But if you read between the lines, you could hear criticism of the Prime Minister uh, in those speeches. But, you know, he's been careful not to be overt uh, in his criticism. And for a guy who's managed to contribute to the restoring of Stormont to produce the New Decade New Approach document for all its faults, it's a, it's a 62-page document of some substance, uh, to get rid of him after six months is utterly bizarre. And, you know, who's the, the natural successor as Secretary of State? I mean, Secretary of State for Northern Ireland don't tend to have long shelf lives. The average tenure in post is only two years. Um, but, you know, to, to get rid of the, one of the arguably more successful, and you can, you know, list on the fingers of one hand those who might be considered successful Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, to get rid of him after six months would be extraordinary. I'm still not sure whether it's happened. I mean, these, these are only rumours. They appear to be well-sourced rumours. And certainly, as Alex has indicated, there are tensions between the Secretary of State and the Prime Minister and, indeed, his, his special advisor. But well, just to interrupt you there for a second, for a second, John, because we're just uh, getting it confirmed on the wires that uh, he has been sidelined. He has been <laughs> stood down as we're speaking. <laughs> Well, there you go. This is the shortest secretary. I think he might be the shortest secretary of state in the Northern Ireland in, in the, the province's history. He could argue. He, at least he's left on a high. He's got Stormont back, but he's out. I mean, that's, that's the reward. Goodness knows what would have happened if he'd, he'd made a mess of it. He might have got even less of time. I mean, it's, you know, one wonders who's going to be the next person. I think it's also this tension. Part of the reason is tension. Uh, Boris Johnson felt blindsided by Julian Smith in terms of new decade, new approach, which is strange because the document had to be approved by cabinet. So if the prime minister can't be bothered reading the document, that's his problem, not Julian Smith. So that's the first thing to say. Secondly, Boris Johnson under pressure from conservative right-wing backbenchers on these issues of continued prosecutions of British soldiers. But, and what the document does, new decade, new approach, is reiterate the Stormont House Agreement, promises to bring it in within 100 days, and that includes continued prosecutions potentially of all sides in the conflict. And that's too much for the Johnny Mercers of this world on the conservative backbenchers who basically want immunity for British soldiers. So I think that lies at the heart of this. And Alex, do you go with that? Is that really why the Prime Minister or maybe Commons have said enough is enough? I think, I think yes, I think John is, is basically right there. Um, um, I also think it's worth bearing in mind just on, on, on who replaces him. And I, I'm just wondering because while, while um, Smith was, I think, fairly popular with members of the public in the business and health compete that they, they didn't necessarily agree with them on some issues. But they actually thought this is a secretary of state who's willing to make decisions in the absence of a government. And I think that was something you and I have talked about over the past 18 months. That you see now so many people who used to say, "What? Well, look, we just need a decision made. So Julian Smith came in and made decisions. I'm just wondering, though, with uh, the parties, both Sinn Féin and the DUP, seeming terribly confused, including the other parties as well, exactly what was signed up for. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, possibly if... If at the back of Johnson's mind is an appointment of a new Secretary of State and maybe the appointment of a new uh, Johnson or Irish Foreign Minister or whatever it is, 
that somehow those two could maybe allow a bit of wriggle room or jiggle room or, or rethink or give clarity here somewhere because it's quite clear when you talk to the UP and Sinn Féin they were both at times fairly miffed by, by Julian Smith's attitude and, and, uh, and John was right when he made the point about the speeches he made about Boris Johnson how you know they were vague, they were ambiguous and so on he tended to have that sort of approach to the big parties as well. His line was, we're going, to de- we're going to do this, we're going to get it over the line, there's going to be a government, or else you're all out of a job. But st- some things weren't nailed down. So I'm just wondering as well, is that part of the thinking that maybe Johnson thinks that a new guy might give, these, might give the parties a little bit more wriggle room? But whether they think that will mean more money, I have no idea. There's certainly a lot to watch today. Do you expect major, major changes generally? Well, the, the, a few days ago, there was there was talk that Johnson was going to clear out everybody. It was going to be the, the uber loyalist uh, to him, the sort of approach that Donald Trump would take. And that's interesting as well, that Julian Smith, because um, it, it's a personal thing between him and Johnson. That's why he got rid of him. This is, this is the Trump play card. Get rid of anyone who, who, who seems to be dissing you in public. But, you know, in terms of, you know, there seems to be some people who will, who will, who were expected to be sidelined, who look now as if they're not going to be sidelined. Because while Johnson does have a, a stonking majority in, in, in the sense of no one has had just a majority like this in the past 10, 12 years or something like that, he still has problems, Frank. He still has moments in the next year which could will test, very severely test the loyalty. If you look at the Huawei, or the, I can never do the pronunciation of the phone company, if you look at HS2, if you look at other decisions that Johnson's going to have to make funding for parts of the Northwest and so on, he's going to have sections of his parliamentary party and sections of the Conservative Party who are very, very unhappy. As John mentioned, it, Mercer and so on, who are, there's a new parliamentary group of 40 who seem to be uh, come together to protect it on the legacy issue. That's 40 votes that, you know, he doesn't want to annoy them either, so Maybe he's sending a signal to that. Those 40 people, those 40 MPs, don't worry. These vexatious um, things and our uh, vexatious uh, pursuit of, of, of previous soldiers, and that's going to be stopped. It's going to be curtailed or silent. So there's a lot of other things in play here, Frank, at the minute. Just uh, looking at uh, Julian Smith on Twitter saying, serving the people of Northern Ireland has been the biggest privilege. I'm extremely grateful to the Prime Minister for giving me the chance to serve this amazing part of our country. The warmth and support from people across Northern Ireland has been incredible. Uh, Thank you very much. He posted that a couple of minutes ago. Who do you think will replace him? That, that, you know, it's fun. I think John hinted at that. I have no idea. There's no one leaps, obviously, to mind. They have a problem with this, with, with this deal because they say there's so much ambiguity in it. And it's, you know, the, the party's already fallen out over most of the key aspects of it. If they bring in someone like a, another Karen Bradley, James Brokenshire type who just sits there and doesn't want to offend anybody, I think that will cause huge problems. But set against that, unless John, John probably would know better, he's closer to the, that end of it. I can't, there's no one immediately springs to mind because I, I, Julian Smith was always a possibility, you know, a few months ago because um, he had been a good chief whip, he had served well, he'd been loyal, he knew how to get people, he wasn't afraid to take people on, he didn't care if he was unpopular, you know, that was his job, chief whips are not meant to be popular. I cannot think off the top of my head, well, two things, A, is Johnson going to promote him or send him somewhere else? So he's just, he's just say, look, Julian, you know, you've done the best there, but I've got a better job and it's going to need your particular talents. And and against that, has he got anyone lined up? Because for the life of me, I cannot think of anyone, A, who would want to be sent here other than they're just desperate to be in a cabinet, or B, who has any knowledge of the place that, you know, who who could actually, you know, 
solve problems that need solved right now. I just cannot think of that person. Okay, uh, Alex, uh, thank you. And John, if you were a betting man, what sort of names would be in the frame? It's difficult to think. I mean, I, again, I agree with Alex. It's difficult to think who would be the person with the knowledge. Many in the Conservative Party don't know anything about, about Northern Ireland. That's not, not been a barrier in the past to, um, you know, their appointment as Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. Knowledge is not always a, a prerequisite, you know, Karen Bradley uh, being a, a case in point. Um, if Boris Johnson was really going to be gun-co, he'd appoint someone like Johnny Mercer, the, the, the guy who, um, you know, is calling for an amnesty for, for British soldiers, but that would be monumentally controversial, even for a, a Boris Johnson, Dominic Cummings axis. So it's difficult to think. I mean, you think of people who chair the Northern Ireland Affairs Select Committee, people who sat on that would be perhaps in the frame. Um, but, you know, uh, Andrew Morrison, it's, it's hard to think of a name, though. I can't just pluck, pluck a name out of a hat on this. Um, I also think that Boris Johnson has been keen to promote women, um, and he's also supposedly getting rid of some women from his cabinet today. So to replace, um, he may well replace Julian Smith uh, with a woman Secretary of State. Do, do you think? Do you think the Prime Minister is as, as aware of the delicate nature of Northern Ireland? It, it, does he possibly think because the executive's up and running, everything's okay now, and it doesn't really matter who's here? I don't think Boris Johnson's got any knowledge of Northern Ireland, to, to be quite honest. I mean, um, he doesn't appear aware of the deal that he signed with the European Union. Uh, on Northern Ireland in terms of what it will mean for goods travelling between Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Uh, the only time he showed a particular interest in Northern Ireland was when he was interested in becoming Conservative Party leader, where he whipped the DUP up into a frenzy, uh, dressed them as my fellow unionists, and then ditched the DUP overboard spectacularly one year later. So, you know, in that sense, that, that was where his interest in Northern Ireland lay as a career to the advancement of Boris Johnson. In terms of his knowledge, broader knowledge of Northern Ireland, it's very, very, very difficult to, uh, to say. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of names that could be bandied about. Michael Gove is a person who's taken interest in Northern Ireland, but that would be, he'd be controversial because he's one of the, the few people to speak out against the Good Friday Agreement and wrote that document not long after, criticising aspects uh, of the Good Friday Agreement. Um, I mean, there's a whole cluster of people around the, the, the Daily Telegraph who've been quite critical of aspects of the Good Friday Agreement. You had, you know, uh, a piece in this week saying that we've, we've, it's been too uncritically accepted, the contents of it. And this, again, this change in terms of Julian Smith may reflect that. But clearly, he's, he's managed to irk Boris Johnson because, you know, to only have six months, it's a short tenure even by the standards of, of, of a Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. And you could argue, like I say, that he's actually at least achieved something. Julian Smith made clear he was not going to be as flexible with deadlines uh, as his two predecessors, Brokenshire and Bradley. Uh, he was not bluffing when he said he would call Assembly elections and then wind the thing up if necessary if... Um, if they didn't get back to work, and so you can argue he's been relatively successful in, in terms of, you know, the modest ambitions of success as Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, because a lot of the time it's a holding operation. So it's, whatever else is reshuffled today, I think this is the most bizarre one. Um, and it's not as if it's a job where you'll get cabinet ministers or, or junior ministers, you know, begging, begging for the job, because it can often... Um, be trouble and you can often be marginalised. Some people have, have, you know, have made the job. It's made their career in the past, but that was really in the heyday you know, of the peace process. So people like Peter Hayne on the Labour side you know, enjoyed being Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. But for most Conservatives, it's been more of a chore. People like Theresa Villas, it's been more of a chore than a, something to be relished. It'll be interesting to see who the new arrival uh, is going to have to work alongside whenever the British government and the Irish government are represented at the same time 
on the steps of, of Stormont. It could, uh, could, of course, be a member of Sinn Féin. Well, yeah, indeed, yeah. I mean, I mean, Sinn Féin, I, mean, Sinn Féin, I think Sinn Féin's election success in the, in the South has certainly spooked the British government. I mean, I, I don't think they saw that on the radar at all. Now, in terms of practical policy, it's not going to it's not going to mean that much, but I mean, clearly, I, because I don't think Mary Lou Macdonald will be T-shirt. Could be wrong, could be wrong on that, but I don't think she'll be T-shirt. So uh, it still begs the question: who who will be? But you know, Sinn Féin are floating on a rising tide, and that's difficult to, to, to the British government to contend with because they've got lots of constitutional problems on their radar. The Scottish Parliament elections next year. Who doesn't think the SNP will do well on, on that? So, you know, holding on to the union is is. is difficult for, for, for the British government at the moment and I don't think they've got the knowledge if you think of it the, there's lots of Conservative MPs at the moment who has the knowledge and talent and skill to you know, hold the ring in Northern Ireland I think that's a pretty limited talent pool that they're looking at so finding a replacement will be very, uh, very, very difficult indeed John, thank you very much indeed. Professor John Tong, thanks to Alex Kane as well. All that on the, the back of the, the sacking of the Secretary of State, Julian Smith, by the Prime Minister. He has been stood down as part of the Cabinet reshuffle. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.